Welcome back, Hocklings. On today's episode, we have a very talented and multi-instrumental artist by the name of Common Creation, but his friends call him Chris. Um, what's up, Common Creation? How's it going? And as always, my name is Tony. I got my buddy Sean. What's up, everybody? And we are going to dive into who is Common Creation, how did... Uh, it come about how serious is alliteration in the song and the artist name. <laughs> Very. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but so, Mister Common Creation, how would you describe your project? Uh, so my project is kind of like I've always been an instrumentalist, so I like to try to bring that into like an EDM setting. You know, like mix instrumentation with dj music and at the same time i really like to sample a lot of old music and i've been like increasingly doing it less because of copyright issues but i like to find old records and like cut you know little breaks out of it and stuff and then use that in my music so really just i try to mix a lot of past ideas with kind of like what i see as like the next generation of electronic music yeah, definitely. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well from what I can tell and what I've experienced listening to the songs and watching the sets and reading up. Um, for me, I personally became a big fan during the Electric Hawk Harmony uh, Online Music Festival when oh, you played that Pink Floyd remix. Oh no! Nice. I was hanging out with my girlfriend, and we were. She's loves old rock, I guess nice. classic rock, rock. And so yeah. she was like, she was like, "What is this? I need this." And then, oh, no. <laughs> it's been a rap ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I like to. I'm a huge fan of classic rock too, and like modern rock. Like uh, half of what I listen to is not electronic music, so I really love to try and take these old records that I love and find a way to mix them into my sets without like compromising the integrity of this like classic song, you know? So I'll just try to mix it in with my sound without going overboard and like chopping it up too much or anything like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't think if you played breathe in the like zomboy, like a bitch, you would go over very well. Yeah, no, exactly. And actually the initial version that I had of it was, uh, it was just a mashup with one of my older songs and like it was cool but it was like a little hard like the drop was a little too over the top for a song like breathe and like i kind of like announced that i was going to release it and then a bunch of people sort of like commented on it and got really hyped about it and everything and i was like oh damn maybe i need to like rethink this a little bit and you know put something a little better together and so i came back and like worked for a couple weeks and got got the the version i ended up releasing that was a lot chiller and more centric to what I think Pink Floyd would have wanted. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I can't imagine that they would dislike it. I hope not. I don't know. Maybe maybe in a music snob kind of way, they'd be like, oh, what do you, what do you just add and based our music for? <laughs> but who knows? I mean, you released that song a month ago. Music. You released yeah. a song a month ago, and it got like 13,000 plays on uh soundcloud so i guess it's doing all right for what it is yeah that's definitely good for good for me so i was happy with those <laughs> i numbers. mean uh, 
<laughs> yeah, your other uh, song, uh, like I want to point out another remix, the Sublime remix, Doing Time. That one's a fantastic remix, and they're all yeah. a lot of your songs are definitely on the longer side. It does kind of reflect on those jam band and mm-hmm. like psychedelic rock, how long those are, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'd say a lot of that comes to from. A lot of how I learned to write electronic music was from listening to Pretty Lights. And that dude writes like every song is like seven minutes long. And so I think I kind of just siphoned that skill off of him of just being able to kind of extend something and come up with new ideas to keep it interesting for five to seven minutes rather than just like a quick one-two punch, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, do you have any other inspirations from your music? like Pretty Lights or any of these other jam bands or psychedelic rock bands that you listen to? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously listening to a lot of um, STS9. I've seen them a lot live, and they were kind of like one of my intros into doing electronic music live. And um, I live around Atlanta, so like they come through all the time. So I've been able to see them, you know, a large handful of times. So I'd say they've been a big influence. Um, Humphreys McGee, too, just has like a... You know, I wouldn't really say that they influenced me in my music that much, but just as a guitar player, you know, I try to learn a lot from them. And then just like old bands like Pink Floyd and uh, The Beatles and Grateful Dead. America is someone I really like to listen to. Stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, the jam band scene is that I would say it's coming back to life in recent years. I mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've I've always kind of been a jam guy, even though I would say I go to more electronic shows. You know, I still there's several bands that I'll go see as much as I can, and they're always at the festivals and everything. But I would say I've noticed like a little resurgence of the scene for sure. Mm-hmm. Nice to see people liking instruments again. You know. Yeah. So the big question on my mind today is mm-hmm. space camp. You're getting the chance to open up the whole shebang with Grizz and with so many other talented artists. How yeah. do you feel about it? I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's it's pretty intimidating. Like, it's all people that I look up to, you know, and, like, Grizz has been a major influence and someone I've looked up to for, like, eight years now, I would say. Like, I saw him in a tiny little venue when, I, like, my first year of college in Auburn, Alabama, of all places, and it was just, like, the sickest electronic set I'd ever seen. And, like, I just love the way he mixed the funk and everything. And so, like, I've just been a huge fan ever since. So, like, you know, to be asked to open for something like that is pretty much a huge dream come true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only just Grizz, you're not playing. Grizz, yeah, then you get Ellis Dream and Chi and Closey and everybody else, Liquid Stranger, like, you know, just heroes to me, so... Definitely yeah. intimidating, but exciting. And you're time. playing in the damn Coliseum. Like, that's, <laughs> that is huge. Yeah, that's going to be next level. You, I've, I've have never you been, been there before? No, or you've never been there? No, I, I haven't wish either. I, gone to, I don't know if I can still say this, but I wish I had gone to Bass Lights back when that was a thing. But, no, I've never made it out. Um, but it'll be exciting to go there for the first time and just play it. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, somebody showed me videos, and I was I was like, oh, man, this is going to be the biggest show I've ever done easily, you know? You're like, that's the stage? 
Yeah, and they were like, like a video of like the opener from some big weekend, and it was just like completely packed out for the opener. I was just like, oh my god, like if it's even half like oh, that, yeah. I'll lose my mind. But it'll be tight. People are gonna want to get good spots. For sure. And no one's had anything better to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's that's mega exciting. Yeah, the Coliseum's legendary, like just in itself. I mean, not yeah. just because the people who played there, but like right. still, it's it, it is like a crossroads to like a definitely a lot bigger things for many smaller artists as well. I would say. Definitely. Yeah. That's something I'm definitely hoping to that you know to just kind of open some more doors for me to get out in some new cities in front of some new people hopefully you know make some new fans while I'm there oh you're probably gonna get a lot of new fans after that I hope so I hope so <laughs> um, nice. all right so next question I want to circle back to the guitar playing so did you learn guitar like early on? Was it like your idea? Was it your parents pushing you to learn an instrument? And you said screw piano. Um, no, so like my parents are both musicians actually, and my dad was a drummer. So when I was in like fifth grade, I think I came to him and was like, "Hey, I want to learn the drums." And so he taught me like how to play the drums for a little while, and then I think like the next year, School of Rock came out. I might be dating myself here. And uh, I like saw that movie and just loved Jack Black's character. I was just like, oh, I want to learn guitar now. So like, I, I got a guitar for Christmas that year and started taking lessons. And then I just played in bands all through middle and high school and a little bit in college before I started DJing. So I've been playing for a while. And so were you guys like doing covers? Was it original music in these bands? Do you feel like, like, like that helped you with all of this? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, that's kind of where I learned new music. I was also in um, marching band and did, like, percussion, like, drumline um, for part of high school. And so all of that definitely, you know, taught me music theory and how to, like, I took a couple theory classes where we had to compose, like, four-part, you know, symphony, sym- sym- uh, symphonies and everything. And so I learned a lot just about writing and song structure from all that. But uh, my band in high school, we were, like, indie rock pop punk you know kind of cringy now but like we definitely like we were all also musicians in band and stuff so we tried to it, we played all originals and we tried to bring you know as much like music theory as we could into what we were doing so we would have like these crazy time signature changes that were just like completely unnecessary but like made us feel cooler about what we were playing stuff like that but all of that kind of definitely carried over in how i write music now just as far as theory goes And so you learned you were doing percussion in school, and then you were, you learned the drums and then the guitar, but not no other instruments. Uh, I, I play piano, but I'm mostly like self-taught. Like I just had one in my house growing up. Um, I took a few lessons in middle school, but then in high school I would just learn how to play songs by ear. And so like I can I can shred a few songs, but if you give me a piece of sheet music, I'm not going to be able to like hammer it out, you know? Yeah. But I can play like like I play a lot of melodies on my keyboard when I'm writing now, so I can still you know rip a keyboard a little bit, but not not anything like somebody who took lessons their whole life. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about learning some like a new instrument? 
Um, I tried to pick up the violin in college, but that turned out to be very difficult to do on your own, and I didn't really have anywhere I could get lessons, and then I just kind of gave up on it, honestly. I just ran out of time, but um, I mean, I play, like, the bass guitar, too, and, like, a couple other, like, mallet instruments and, like, random stuff, but I'm pretty happy just being able to do drums, guitar, and bass and kind of, like, lay down all the parts of a band. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to also ask about uh, JT Ward. How was uh, working alongside him? Um, that's always been great, man. Uh, we met in Auburn through like a musician Facebook group, and we had like I was actually in a band that was doing covers at the bars, and we needed a new drummer. And then one night I was DJing after the band was playing, and so you know, the band finished our set and I was like, Hey JT, why don't you just stay up here and like drum while I DJ, you know, some dubstep and we'll see if it's cool. And it, it was just like the sickest thing ever and everybody loved it. And so we were kind of like, all right, let's, you know, screw the band. Let's just, just do the DJ drummer thing and see how that goes. And so like for a long time we were just doing, you know, just like straight open format DJ sets, like not really any originals, just me mixing dubstep with hip hop to try and like make, you know, college kids enjoy it. And then just having a drummer on stage, just make like, I think the use of instrumentation allowed a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily be into dubstep or like hard bass music enjoyed a little more because it was like, you know, kind of a novel thing. And also, you know, it's just like sick to see a sick drummer lay down hip hop beats, even if it's over bass, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nowadays that you see that a lot of DJs are incorporating it probably most commonly a drummer into sets. I mean, I've seen Kazo do it. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a lot of other artists. Yeah, there's like Alinium, Destroyed with KJ Saka. Oh, wow. This guy is a drummer. Sorry, dog's, dog's barking. Um, yeah, Manic Focus used to do that a lot too. Yeah, Manic um, Focus. I really got the idea from Pretty Lights though, to be honest. Because he was doing those episodic tours around that time that we started that out, and just the mixing of the drums into his stuff was just so on point, and that was really what inspired it. Hey, your dog can be in the podcast. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. What's the dog's name? Maru. What's up, Maru? Section You're on crazy. Electric Talk. Brought yeah. to you by Electric Talk. He's looking at the computer right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, quit barking. All right. Good um, also, Odezo. Odezo's literally just oh, yeah. drummers. Oh, basically. yeah. <laughs> so what's interesting about Odezo is um, this dude that I was on drumline with in my high school in Texas um, actually went on to perform with them for a couple years as part of their drumline, interestingly enough. That's pretty sick. Yeah, yeah, I found that out. Like, like I'd seen them live and, like, didn't know. And then I talked to my sister who, like, knew the guy because she's in that, that drum core world. And she was like, oh, yeah, the, this, you know, this kid that you went to high school with was up there. And I was like, oh, wow, no way. Like, that's what a small. I saw him in Atlanta, too. So it was just like small world, you know. Yeah, it is like I, some like weird occupations. Like you don't even know, like you've had like a middle school friend or something. Like you see mm-hmm. them out like they're probably working at like a wrestling company and you're like watching yeah. a show and like. Oh shit! I see that guy. I know. Like they're like cleaning I mean, the fake blood off, off the stage yeah. or off the mat. Can't be a good job. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, it's probably better than cleaning off real blood. True. So they use, do they use fake blood in wrestling? I don't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They use. Well, I mean, I think there's some people that like actually get bloody, but actually like most blood. of the time they just have like blood packets in their mouth or like in their pocket or in Method their pants. They use razor blades to cut themselves open when like they're not on camera. So they, yeah. it's like That's so. What they used to do. They don't do that anymore. I don't think. No, I think they still do. Oh, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm not involved in the. WWE world anymore. Oh yeah, were you a big fan back in the day? Oh yeah, I had John Cena wristbands, hustle loyalty, <laughs> respect. Nice. And oh. like the headband. Nice. That's sick. Um, Sean, do you have a question, or you want me to go? No, you can go. All right. So, um. How did you get from playing bars with JT at Auburn to releasing on Low Temp Chromatics label? So that was actually pretty crazy. And that was kind of like the first really big step I had where I was like, you know, I could take this, you know, to a bigger scale than what we're doing now. And um, what had happened was I had met, I think, through Instagram, Chromatics guitar player Adam Stair. And he had actually, he knew a mutual friend of mine from high school um, that told him I was doing music. And so he approached me just seeing if I wanted guitar lessons because he knew that I like did guitar with what we were doing. And so I did lessons with him for about a year. And about a year in after doing these lessons, I, you know, he was like, oh, send me some of your music. I'll check it out. And I sent it to him. And he just loved it and was like, oh, this is sick. Like, it, you know, he ended up uh, playing guitar on one of the tracks. And then he sent, you know, he sent the whole EP over to Grammatic, who was like, yeah, this is sick. Let's let's sign it. And that, that was the whole thing. Because, yeah, up until then, I pretty much had just been playing bars. And, like, I mean, I was writing a bunch of original music and releasing it, but, like, not, like, getting an insane amount of traction or anything until until around then. And that was, like, a big jumping-off point for real. But you're telling me Auburn, Alabama may not be the best place to blossom an electronic dance music career? I mean, man, you would be surprised, no lie. Like, we we had a little period for a few years where, like, there was a massive scene of people that wanted to come out every night and just hear like the hardest dubstep. We'd be at, we were literally at a sports bar that I worked at, but like in the back they had a stage area and like this huge outdoor patio. And somehow I got the manager, like when I was like my last year of college, I just got the manager to let me start DJing back there and playing whatever I wanted. And within like a year, we just had this huge coalition of like EDM heads that just wanted to come here, just face melters all night. And it was, it was really a weird, like, Paracosm, because eventually it faded away and we all kind of moved out of there and the whole scene just died. But like for like three years, we just had this whole squad of people that would come out every time. And it was really, really fun. Sounds cool. That's nice well, of your manager to let you just play whatever. Yeah. Well, at first I played a lot of rap and then I would slowly start mixing in the EDM. <laughs> but then that started becoming like like the the thing that people come, came out for. And they knew like, you know, the first hour I would just play. A bunch of booty rap and then about after then i'd start mixing in like some house and then i would get to like dubstep tempo and just start playing dubstep mixed with like hip-hop bangers and it was, just, it was just always super fun and that's around when i started having jt too so for being a random college town in alabama it actually had a pretty dope scene for a little while i had the same experience up in new york with like yeah. your, the whole dj scene like playing that same 
pattern of like from rap to house to mm-hmm. hip hop, more hip hop and more yeah. pop, and then like the actual dubs of like yeah, that that is like a pattern for I like. Mean, it's a good. It's a good like recipe to follow, and also you can basically just increase the tempo the whole time. Like you just like I would start at like eighty five and have a bunch of chill rap, and maybe some like vibey beat you know bass type stuff but nothing with like heavy drops or anything like that and you can like move it up to glitch hop and then some like mid-tempo funky stuff and then into rap into house and then into dubstep for the end of the night and it's just like you're literally just going up the the tempo counter and it it works i don't know yeah um Mm. so like yeah you have a lot of artists that you listen to, I mean, you played them through the years, and somehow, mm-hmm. some way, you probably met them on your career from way back when to now. I mean, do you have any artists in particular that you enjoy, you know, like that you've actually met in person or met backstage that you've enjoyed yeah. working with or, you know? Um, so, Grammatic, when he signed... Uh, my EP, I, he actually ended up, they got me a ticket to Bonnaroo, like a guest pass. Um, and so they got me into that and I met up with them like the night that they were playing and everything and like went and chilled in their trailer. And um, we, ended up, you know, I just ended up chilling with them the whole night and we drank a bunch of whiskey and just like talked about music production for like three hours. And then they let me come on stage with them and just like watch from the stage. And it was just like one of the sickest, most overwhelming things in my life, just because like I've been listening to Grammatic since I was like 15, like his first EPs me and my friends had and would listen to him in the car all the time, like after school. And so like, you know, like six years later to like not only meet him, but have him like get me into a festival and then like hang out and just like, you know, I played my EP for him on like a little Bluetooth speaker. I had my backpack and he was just like, I love it. Like we're releasing it. Love it. And so that was probably one of the coolest ones for sure. Uh, I'm trying to think. Meeting Jansen was cool. I opened for him, and that's somebody I've also been listening to since high school. Um, although we were both pretty tequila ripped by the time we met, but it was, it was still cool. <laughs> cool to say what's up, you know. I'd still be shaking in my boots. Like I'm, you're backstage at Bonnaroo, like literally right there. I'm like, oh, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't, I didn't know at that time that like the guest wristband you can get anywhere, like even on stage, like they'll just let you up. And, like, I, I found that out, like, that day. They were like, oh, yeah, just try to come back. And I was like, all right, man. And, you know, I've been, like, drinking a little bit all day. And, like, I was just like, all right, I hope this works. And they were just like, oh, yeah, go on. And the, just nowhere stopped me. And I was able to get all the way back to, like, the trailers and everything. Hey, was, you're like, you guys should be looking for my wristband. I feel like a little more well, carefully. No, were, the one that I had just, like, got me anywhere I wanted to go. The Whatever the guest one is that they give out gets you anywhere. And so, like, I just didn't find this out until, like, the third day of the festival that I just had free reign to walk anywhere. Like, I could just walk backstage if I wanted to. Um, I didn't really abuse it or anything, but it was it was still tight. Backstage is cool. It's about to be a little smaller, but True. still cool. Still cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, Definitely. we're all ready for festivals. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Yeah. Closer than we think. It's so yeah, yeah. Almost, yeah. Dead Rocks is doing? like in a month and a half. I'm freaking out. That's insane. Do you snag tickets? I have had tickets for a long time. Nice. Nice. That'll but be I don't have to pay like nine hundred dollars. Smart. Nice. 
I, I highly doubt anyone buys those though. The nine hundred one, yeah, maybe some surprise. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I got a good question though. So I found this old kind of press release <laughs> talking about who you shared the stage with, and so I need <laughs> you. I think we're gonna do a fuck Mary kill. Okay. Oh, All right. So fuck Mary kill Trinidad James. Waka Flocka or Asher Roth? Um, let's see. I'd probably. That's tough. And this is like a platonic fucking Mary. Okay. Does that make you feel any better? I would probably marry Waka because he has like the chillest disposition of any of those guys. Like, he's just. He's hilarious and turns up. But then if you're not. If you're with him like backstage, he's just so chill and like. And just like funny, passively chill. I don't know how to describe it, but I think he would be. I think if I had to live with one of them forever, I'd pick Waka. Um, I would probably fuck Trinidad, and then kill Asher Roth because I opened up when I opened up for Asher Roth. He played for like 15 minutes and then just, just, just dipped. Like it was just gone. Like he no. played. Well, I mean, he only had like two songs. Yeah, he literally <laughs> played like two hits, and then his DJ just like took over for a little while. And then his DJ just let me take over, and I went back to playing like crazy bass music. But I don't know if that was like that was actually kind of tight because I got to play way longer than I was supposed to. But maybe everyone was like confused if he was coming back, and so they were like, maybe we should stay for this guy a little bit longer. Yeah, exactly. But he just he took the mic and like jumped in the crowd and was like still rapping some song and just like went off. And you know, like a bunch of girls followed him. And then I was just I like turned to his DJ. I was like, that is done. Yeah, I was like, he's like, yeah, he's probably not coming back. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually one of the main questions I wrote down before this was how is Asher Roth space question mark? Oh my god. DJ was sick though, man. He played a bunch of trap like around like this was like 2016, maybe. So festival trap was still pretty hot, and he played a bunch of that. He busted yeah, out that auto grime hippie and silver ring. Yeah, I know it. Oh, I'm not, I wasn't guaranteed. even there and I could hear it. <laughs> I guarantee you did. Yeah. That was a big year for auto grime. <laughs> All right. So Asher Roth, we're going to give him like a C, maybe C minus, because like a little short of a concert, but like also, I mean, it's is he supposed to like sing other people's songs? I mean, I swear he's got a catalog, just, you know, nobody knows it, but like the dude's got at least. At least one album. I, I feel like he did play like four or five songs, and I was surprised that I knew more than just I Love College. But then he <laughs> played like I Love College fifth and then was just gone. I was like, all right, sick show, bro. He could have like, he could have done like the hell yeah, whatever freshman thing for like a way longer, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. What's funny about Trinidad is that, um, so I actually went on tour with him one time. Like my friend, <laughs> my friend worked with this like Atlanta company that just like, did a bunch of rap shows but like he loved the way i dj so like i would just dj these rap shows and i would like do all the opener sets and then i would just play like an hour set before whoever you know like the, the big artist that was playing was and then they would just have their own dj and like this one time he like he sent me on this tour uh with trinidad and we were just in a van with him for like seven hours a day and we did like four colleges i think and every time he just showed up like an hour late to the show and they would have nothing to do but just let me DJ for another hour, which was sick. Like, I, like my sets kept getting sent in. You know, I had all this stuff I wanted to play, so it was fun. But I also had to be like the guy on the mic being like, yo, Trinidad's not here yet. Like, he's coming. 
It's gonna be like fuck you. Yeah, like literally, I was beginning like where's my where's my refund? I hate when that happens. At Virginia Tech, they had this big countdown thing because it was like for a charity, and there's probably two thousand people there. And so they had this screen come down, and this dude came out and said a bit, and then they played this video, and at the end of the video, it had like a countdown for Trinidad to come out, and it like came out, and everybody's screaming, and the curtain comes up, and it's just fucking me <laughs> behind the decks, and I was like, Trinidad's not here yet. Like, let's go. And just like started dropping like just, just straight trap bombs and like, you know, like all the best, like, you know, Hero Bus Broccoli remix and shit like that. Like, oh, just, yeah. I knew, just absolute crowd pleasers because I knew they were just pissed at Trent. I wasn't there yet. And he didn't show up for an hour and then, like, finally did. Oh, man. But I, I got some heat that day. <laughs> it was heated. Oh, my God. That's that's incredible. Yeah. I mean. He just did not care, man. Like, they were telling him. Like, the hotel was, like, five minutes away. And they're like, he's still at the hotel. I was like, well. What's he doing? He's like, I don't know. He's, he's just turned out. Like, he can't tell him to be on time. He's going to show up when he feels like it. <laughs> that happens with almost everybody. Let's be honest. Not almost yeah, everybody, yeah. but a lot of rappers I've seen in the past just that no show or just be late as hell. Oh, it's so yeah. bad. I was, I was supposed to see Little Uzi like three times in like <laughs> yes. a year. And like, I didn't care about Little Uzi, but like, he was supposed to be there and like, I was supposed to be there and I showed up and he didn't. Like, three different festivals. <laughs> and it's kind of rude. Like, at that point, like, at this point, I kind of just want to see what it is because he like wouldn't give it to me. And then, yeah. like, also, I saw Migos at a festival where Little Uzi was supposed to be at. And the mm-hmm. Migos. We're playing. They were doing that thing, you know, at some rap shows where they play maybe like the Apple preview of the song, and then they right. just go to the next one. Like, oh <laughs> they were doing God. that with like all of their songs, and the, the sound was really bad. Yeah, the Migos, and the sound was really bad, and the stage was packed. Was uh, this that Moonrise? No, this is a Buku. Okay, it was so uh, bad. People left. They... Like, it, like legit, they had to stop rapping because I think. There was no one at the stage. Yay. I know Migos played and Lozy Vert played a weekend at like Moonrise and they both were late and they both got booed off the stage as well. Like, holy crap. That is yeah. like almost everywhere. Know. That's whack. I feel like the best hip hop show I ever saw was at Buku. Um, was ASAP Ferg. Holy shit. It was so oh, sick. ASAP Ferg is good live. He like closed out the festival and it was just like the most fun I've ever had at a rap show. It was sick. I saw Riff Raff open for Travis Scott one time, and Riff Raff climbed the rafters. And I was like, this is crazy. Who is this guy? Because it was, it was before, like, Tiptoeing. It was, like, right. basically all he had was Dolce & Gabbana and, like, a couple songs with, uh, what is it called? With Annie Milanakis. Is it Three Amigos or whatever? I think that's what it's called. I think so. he like he was not popular, and so he cr- he climbed on the rafters, and then I was like, "That's kind of crazy." And then Travis Scott shows up like forty five minutes late, and he climbs <laughs> on the rafters too. And I was like, "What is going? These rafters don't look super secure. Do you guys do this everywhere, or like, did these just look good?" Bro, Travis Scott can't be out hyped by riffraff. No, right? I guess that's no what it was. Well, it was Travis Scott's birthday too, so he was like. Get a bottle on the rafters with him. And... <laughs> he was like hanging from it. While he's drinking. <laughs> Christ. Jeez. I think my I uh, actually I'll, I'll reference Waka Flocka Flame because 
when I went to Firefly in 2018 or 2017, I think, mm. um, Waka Flocka was playing. That was probably my favorite. But the moment of the night, I don't know if you like, you know this, because I feel like it went viral. Um, there's like the sign language interpreter and she oh, went yeah. off. She yeah, went off. And he thinks like, she's hyping him up. <laughs> yeah, it's like he was singing oh. like with her and like she was dancing along with the sign language. It was yeah. like the craziest thing. And I laughed That's so idea. hard. And that yeah. was like probably the best rap concert or at like That's a festival I've been to. Like that that was like That's crazy. Dude, speaking of Riff Raff, um, he played in Auburn one time and listen to this lineup. It was Riff Raff was the headliner open for by Hero Bust and Manic Focus. Like just the most random show I've ever seen. Jesus. And, Dude, I... and Riff Raff got there early. And if you paid $200, you could ride around town as Lambo with him for like 30 minutes. And a bunch of people were paying 200 to just like take a quick lap with Riff Raff and his Lambo. Honestly, that's a good deal. I would pay yeah. 200 to <laughs> like, Lambo with Riff Raff. Like, yeah. He's kind of creepy. creepy. He's definitely kind of creepy, but you know, so creepy. He's, he's so, so creepy. <laughs> kind of. I think creepy. they had him so at my buddy's house like, through the show before, and they said like he was just being so creepy and weird towards the girls, and then just like left. Uh, <laughs> dude, he like acts like James Franco and Spring Breakers on Instagram with girls. It's so weird. He's got to be like forty-five or something. Like he's definitely. He's definitely old. I do feel bad though because Jody Husky died. I think. This oh year. yeah, yeah, that was that sad. was sad. Mm-hmm. I like my dog. Everyone was there for riffraff except for like me and a couple people, and so Manic Focus and Hero Buster were just hanging out at the merch booth, like not talking to anybody for the whole time after they're done. So I kind of skipped the riffraff show and just like talked to Hero Bus as much as I could about like production. He was just like, f- there was like three of us, and he was just like fielding all these questions, and like he didn't seem to get annoyed or anything. Like he was happy to talk about it, and we were just like. Bro, like, how do I EQ my 808s and, like, all this, you know, just, like, random producer questions. But he actually told me, like, a lot of really, really helpful stuff. And so that was, like, a cool, that was a cool experience. That was one of the times where I'd listened to somebody for a long time and then, like, met him at a show and, you know, had a good, like, long talk with them about production, which was tight. Yeah, Hero Bus is a big, I feel like has a lot of people's bridge. He's a massive brain dude, for mm-hmm. sure. He's definitely one of the smartest producers I've ever talked to. John, you got a question? Um, yeah. Let's just do some quick fire questions before, right. we, before we uh end off this uh the pod the show. Um, I want to ask, what is the meaning behind your logo? Um. So it's more of like a mascot, I guess. Like it was the it was the cover for a single that I commissioned one time, and this dude just did this. I told him the song was called Gold Tiger, and so he just did this amazing tiger cover, and I loved it so much. I was like, "Yep, I'm just gonna make this like my permanent logo type thing." And so I just kind of started using it as like more like a mascot type logo, and then obviously I have like the text logo as well, but um. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's a huge meaning. I went to Auburn, so Auburn Tigers, and then my dog's name is Hobbs after Calvin and Hobbs, who's also a tiger. So I guess I have somewhat of a tiger affinity, but, like, you know, I don't know. It's just it looks really cool, mainly. (laughs) Sounds like uh, Carol Baskin's on your case right now. Oh, yeah, man, she hits me the whole time. (laughs) Like, I'm going to see you. 
I, I want to try something new as well. So I've been thinking of like this whole uh, desert thing. Like you bring three things to a desert island and like how do you survive? I want to ask, which, if you're stranded on a desert island and mm. you only could listen to three sets, what three, three sets? sets would those be? They have to be ones that I've been to or just like anything? Um, anything you've listened to. Um, Anything you've witnessed live, doesn't matter, SoundCloud, whatever. Okay, I would say number one would be Pretty Lights at Bonnaroo in 2013, which I was there for, and it was like a five-hour set. Just insane. It was the first time I ever saw Pretty Lights, and this dude just played for five hours, and it was insane. So definitely that would be number one. Number two might be Umphrey's on Halloween at the Tabernacle in Atlanta because they played a full mashup set and it's just like the sickest set I've ever heard of a jam band. And third one, probably just whatever Radiohead's longest live recorded show is probably. Nice. Tony, do you have any, uh, more questions? Um, Oh, all right. I think this is a good one that we could end it on. So, what's with the newly found love for alliteration? Um, I've actually that's been a long-standing love, and it's, I've just slowly been like letting it kind of like take over more of the naming. And like, if I can come up with a good alliteration for the name, I will. Just because I like, I don't know, I just like the aesthetic of it. Like, pretty much all of my EPs have had an alliteration, except for two and one of them was gsg but i've kind of it's been a theme that i've just been kind of like letting take over more and more i guess and i just i just like the way it looks it makes it easy when you're coming up with song names because normally my song names are just kind of nonsense that sounds good together like i just come up with like a space word and then a dance word and but the one that pertains to the track for sure but like you know nothing nothing too deep or complicated a good All answer. Right. I'm a big fan of alliteration. And I mean, common creation is an alliteration, so it kind of yeah. like stemmed from that, and I just like the way it looked when like my EPs were also alliterations, and although the one I just finished up, um, which I don't think I can say the title of yet, but it's it's not it's not an alliteration, so I deviated. Oh, alright. Well, <laughs> anyway. And is there, did, did you want to talk, did you want to promote anything or are we still leaving that in the wraps? Um, that's going to have to be in the wraps for now, but I am sitting on a ton of music that has found a home. So that's all I'll say about that, but don't really well, have, then, have anything. Yeah. Well, then we'll just tell everyone to go stream Lunar Lounge as much as you possibly can. Just put yeah, it on in the background. You can even mute the window. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Press play several times a day. Oh, yeah. Do your part. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to space camp, listen to... Actually, just listen to everything this man has. Especially oh, those yeah. remixes. Oof. Oh, yeah. I've got a few more of those up my sleeve, too, that I'll be putting out this summer, so we'll get some more cool stuff. Nice. Awesome. Oh, yeah. All right, well, Mr. Chris, Mr. Creation, it's been a true honor. <laughs> um, I'm glad that I got to put a voice to the name. Yes, sir. And yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. 
Oh, thank I'm you. glad that we will be seeing you probably a lot more this year. Yes, sir. Thanks, so. Also, we're praying for Pretty Lights Red Rock. I uh, will be there if that happens. So <laughs> I'll be there for well, sure. I'm 20 minutes away, so I will probably be there too. <laughs> right on. I was there for the last one, and it was amazing. So got to catch the I next heard. one. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, this has just been an exhilarating episode of Electric Talk. Uh, my name's Tony. Thank you guys for listening. We got Common Creation. And then we got Sean. And we'll thank you for listening.